This episode of The Vergecast is brought to you by Hilton. Restaurant or room service? What would the boss do? Either way, the boss would choose Hilton Hotels and Resorts to get down to business and a little pleasure. Check out Hilton Hotels and Resorts. Travel like the boss. Hello and welcome to The Vergecast, the flagship podcast of The Verge.moby. Ooh. <laughs> It's a real WAP browser kind of day here, here at The Verge. I'm your friend, Neli. Paul Miller is here. Hello. Dan Seifert is here again. I'm back. Why? Dieter Bone. I don't know. Suspicious <laughs> of Dan. <laughs> uh, well, I can tell you why Dan is here. Yeah. It's Google Day. Google Day. Uh, a day leaked for decades <laughs> previous, but it happened. Google actually had its Pixel 3 event. Dieter and I went. Dan was there. Can I tell you guys something? Yeah. With all the leaks, I, I probably spent about six hours trying to workshop a leak pun, and I got I got nowhere. It's really I, I really I was really bleak, and I was like, oh, bleak! I could do something there, but yeah. it just like where mm. do you get the buh from? Well, the front edge of the display leaked right over the top. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it happened. Google had an event here in New York. Can I just first of all, for a disclosure, mm -hmm. somebody who used to work with us, Trent Wolby, yes, now is like helps big companies put on events. He definitely helped with this event. So, like, that's my disclosure. But regardless of Trent, who's our buddy, the event was super fun to be at. Yeah, I will say, though, that Trent being our buddy and also being there at the event did not help us in any way get any seating access or, <laughs> yeah, or yeah, anything yeah. before anybody asked that In question. fact, it was quite distracting because he kept yes. on coming over to hang out. Apparently, he had nothing to do, we so he like, just stared at us <laughs> the entire we're time. We're like, we're working, buddy. <laughs> I was watching this, this live stream, and the, they had this moment where they, like, Open these pods and the devices all slid oh, out, and then so everybody stupid. was taking pictures. It was so Did stupid. Did you guys get any sweet shots in that moment? No. So I was actually in the worst possible seat. I was doing photos for our live blog for for anyone that didn't know, uh, and I was in the worst possible seat for those pods. They were literally two rows behind me. Wait, let me just back us up. I couldn't get us back. We're so deep yeah. in the weeds. Google had an event in New York City. <laughs> the three of us went to it. They announced. Devices at these events. Trent, at this Trent event. Wolby was there. Our friend Trent was there, but they announced the Pixel 3, yep. Pixel 3 XL, yep. the Home Hub, and the Pixel Slate. Yes. That's it. And just as Neil I did just now, they announced all three things fairly early in the event. They just went for it. <laughs> and then and so in the made moment, us wait to find out what the heck they were talking about. And the moment that Paul's talking about, one of the dumbest, I just complimented this event. It was, <laughs> it was a delight. It was a, a good event. But the moment that Paul is referencing that Dan is referencing was one of the dumbest pieces of staging I've ever seen which was there are like huge columns cut at 45 degree angles like scattered throughout the seating area which was basically like couches and chairs and pillows yeah and Rick Osterloh who like was doing the event was like and here they are and then like the tops of those columns like slid open and all the devices rose up on platforms. And then there was chaos because everyone was trying to like get a photo or look at yep. them. And he was like, a couple seconds more. Guys, excuse me, everyone. <laughs> then they started going away. <laughs> they were out for less than 30 seconds. And he yeah. was just like, yeah, there they were. Pay attention to me again. <laughs> so what was funny about this event was that was the only time that the physical devices were shown during the whole presentation. Yeah. Mm, Nobody they, on stage had They must devices. have been holding a phone at nope. some point. Really? Nope. nope. I'm trying to take photos of them. Yeah, Pulled right. Nobody pulled a phone out of a pocket. Nobody held up a new product. Everything was done on these like giant screens behind the present. Wacky. Present yeah. Yeah, huh. it was a lot. Anyway, so we saw all the things that were leaked. Yep. Dieter, you did a uh, long exclusive video with the Pixel Slate. Yep. Which is pretty cool. 
Pixel, do you want to start there? Do you want to do the phones first? Wherever you want, man. We could talk about the, the cloud that weighed upon this event. Oh, you're discussing the Google Plus security exposure. Yeah. That occurred. Yeah, not a breach. Not a breach. An exposure. Potential exposure. That's a lot. It was enough of an exposure for Google to be like, we're closing Google+. Plus. Yeah, Casey's, uh, Casey's headline in the interface, and newsletter that you can read every day, mm-hmm. was the bug that killed the social network. Yeah. <laughs> Never has a bug been so serious that it has destroyed a product completely. Although but, uh, it wasn't serious enough of a exposure for them to tell anybody for like six-ish months. They, they, just, they discovered and closed it in March, mm-hmm. and then... So the TikTok here, we're going to get to the phones, but this is hanging over the, over some of this stuff. Um, the TikTok here is they discovered in March, and the vulnerability, the exposure, the whatever is there was an API that allowed app developers to grab profile information from your Google Plus profile, including like your age and your location, your home location, or you know a couple things like that, like where you say you lived or whatever your city, and grab that information for your friends, even if you had marked it private. Yeah. So it was a bad API, and this we've seen stuff like this specifically with Facebook and Cambridge Analytica. Um, so they found it and they closed it down in March, and then they told nobody. They made the decision that like, well, look, we dump our logs every two weeks, so we don't know um, if anybody actually accesses data. If anybody could access data, we suspect it's fewer than I think it was like a half a million people or something. Small, some small number, and nobody uses Google Plus anyway, so there's probably nothing going on here. But they chose not to disclose it, which may or may not have been a good call. I tend to think it was not. And then the Wall Street Journal got a hold of a memo where, like, they somebody described this whole process and the decision behind not disclosing it, and blah 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 blah. And so they wrote the story, and then like a couple hours later, Google came out as like, yeah, no, we're we're shutting Google Plus down because yeah. nobody uses it. And the the lines about how how extremely no one uses it were hilarious. So like. Ninety percent of sessions are less than five seconds long, <laughs> yeah. which is like, oh, Google Plus is still oh, going to close that. Down. <laughs> uh, so it was hanging over the event like a cloud. They made no mention of it, nope, directly, but indirectly they did. I don't like. I'm sure they wrote the keynote script before this, but the I was talking to Vlad about this a lot uh, because one of the things that's interesting about the camera is they didn't really talk about tech specs. They talked about AI, but they. They didn't get into the stuff for a good 15 to 20 minutes, it felt like. And Rick Osterloh, who runs hardware, got up on stage and basically gave like a, uh, an apologia, a defense of what Google is and what it means. And like Google is here to help you and we use machine learning to help you and like blah, 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 blah. And like gave a whole bunch of examples and ran through like really rapid fire, like all the stuff that Google uh, does for you. I wrote down this list. This, yeah. These are the three things that Google does. Okay. One, your own personal Google. Yeah. Two, your security. Three, digital well-being. Yeah. Those are somehow the foundation of how Google does things. Yeah. Somehow. No. They but, also, like, licensed Help by the Beatles. Yeah. And played a long video set to Help <laughs> about, like, maps and search right. and YouTube. That's, right. that's your own personal Google. Yeah. Is that Does that fold into your own personal Google? Mm-hmm. Can we just not use this phrase? Because all I'm, I'm just, just going to uh, have to listen Dieter to Dieter has mode. been humming Depeche Mode yeah. this whole time. <laughs> uh, Someone to be your friend. Someone to sit there. Uh, but, so, but the reason I'm telling this story about how they tried to like recontextualize Google is, one, they want to you know, make you think of it in that way and not think of the, you know, the Google Plus, basically. They don't want Google Plus on your mind. But two, Google's entire sales pitch for Google hardware is – we are so good at this software AI 
cloud stuff, that we build all of that smarts directly into our hardware. And there's a direct link between the good feelings you have about the rest of our software stuff and the good feelings you should get out of the hardware. Yeah. And so if, if everyone walks into that room and is like, ah, oh, Google, what do I think of Google? Well, I think of uh, data breaches and I think of them not showing up to Congress. And I think of, you know, I'm, they're getting closer to being in the Facebook zone of how I feel about a company right now. And, oh, they're also announcing a product. Yeah. Then so you end up with what, what happened with Facebook and Portal. Exactly. So they had to avoid that problem. And so they had to start with, like, remember Google? You like us. We're nice. <laughs> so Casey wrote about this in the interface yesterday. Yeah. You should go read the interface, roach.com slash interface. Casey's not here to, to plug it, but I'm doing it for him. He and I had actually had a conversation about after the event yesterday about this. Google, they had to do it, and I agree they had to do it. It felt very ham-fisted, though. Uh, so I, I disagree about that. Okay. I think this was Google very clearly articulating its value to you, the job it does for you, the user, right? Like Google is a set of utilities that you use in your life, and they just keeps they keep sincerely trying to make them better. That was Casey's lines. They keep sincerely improving these things yeah. in a way that does not feel like they're gamifying the product or they're trying to boost engagement. Sometimes it feels that way with YouTube, but right for the most part, Google Maps does not try to suck you deeper into Google Maps. Like it helps you get where you're going, and you're done. Google Search. You can argue about whether on mobile too much of the top of search results are populated by Google products, but then there's the list of links and you click it and you leave Google and you're gone, right? Like the products are not trying to drive engagement in that way. And even photos, it's just your photos. Yeah. If, if any, you're just engaged with your own stuff. And their one attempt to build a product that was driven by user growth and network effects to compete with Facebook was such a spectacular failure that when they had a bug, they'd shut it down. Yeah. I don't think Facebook has that utility argument. Like, the job Facebook does for you is not perceived as valuable. And Facebook does do a lot of jobs for people. Facebook events are a big deal. Marketplace is an yeah. kind of economic powerhouse, actually. Knowing, knowing how to get out, like, I'm going to find this person stalking people, honestly. Yeah. But also, mm -hmm. like, I, I want to send this person a message. I don't have their email address. There's, like, a better than even chance I'll find them on Facebook and I'll take a shot at sending them a message on Facebook. Right? Sure. Yeah. So Finding I, my family. Like, Blah, blah, blah. There's but a bunch of utilities. Facebook's brand is so toxic that the utility can't overpower it. Right. I think Google is doing a, a pretty good job of saying, here's here's the value we provide to you. We can articulate it. Right. Our brand stays strong because you actually lo you love these products. Yeah. And then you should buy a phone that encompasses all of them or a little, a tiny little display for your bedroom. That oh, like, God. We made an alarm That's clock, so right? Cute. Like, so I think that was what they set up. So I, I agree. Like, you could have read that as ham fisted. And in fact, when I was talking to Casey about this yesterday, he's like, I don't want to write a story that just like re, re articulates their marketing. Yeah. Uh, he's like, all these companies do the same thing. They just market themselves differently. Yeah. My argument is, I think Google, Google is just like a bunch of, like, this event was like adorable. Like, there are a bunch of nerds who like have a big company and they, like, they're just excited to show us their stuff. Like, the people doing the demos of the Home Hub when I did our video, the actual product managers of the software of the Home Hub, and they were just, like, bouncing up and down excited <laughs> to show right? like, um, I, like, I, I take that. You know, like, I, I, I think there's something real. Like, there, there's a sincerity there that comes out in the fact that the products are not trying to game you necessarily. And sometimes they are. Like, yeah. Don't get me wrong. The, the, I can be very critical of Google, and I think the YouTube stuff and some of the search stuff is – worthy of extreme criticism. Yep. I don't think they should build drones for the government. Like, I don't think they should go to China. Like, 
there's a bunch of stuff that's worth being extremely critical about. But yeah, Casey, Casey articulated it really well in the newsletter. He, I'm not going to do it as well, but it basically Google provides you the very easy value that you can see. People see the value in Google's products, whether it's Maps or Search or whatever, that Facebook doesn't provide. Facebook provides entertainment, but then it also provides all this other headaches along with it. And so I think, you know, part of this uh, this conversation is, you know, we're not Facebook, but it's also, I think, calculated to, you know, counter the arguments that Apple makes that Google just wants to harvest your data and sell your data and is a data collection company. Oh, I mean, Apple's going to make that argument as hard as they can. Mm-hmm. They That's a great argu- argument for them. It's a great argument for Microsoft, mm-hmm. right? I think Google needs to cleave itself away from Facebook and say, this is why it's valuable that we have all this data from you. And I, so I think that's where they began. Here's the things Google does, as Paul's saying. Here's the list, right? Putting digital well-being on that list is, like, pretty wild because <laughs> that's the anti-gamification. It's the anti-user growth stuff that they're doing to say we're going to limit your use of these apps. Okay. Let's start with the phones. Yeah. Pixel 3. Pixel 3 XL. Yeah. Literally exactly is leaked. Yep. Were you surprised by one thing? Yes. What's that? The quality of the screens. Oh, yeah, that is true. I was very surprised by the quality of the screens. Uh, all we know about them is that they're, you know, quote unquote flexible OLED. That doesn't mean the screens are actually, they're, they're flat and they're under hard glass. They're not actually flexible, but like <laughs> it's just a substrate that they use that's more flexible. We had anyway, a long argument about this yesterday. They are very, very good. I think the, um, the quality of the hardware overall is very good. It's yeah. a noticeable step up from the Pixel It feels like way, like way more of a premium device. So the, the back is good. What does a good screen mean? What do you uh, mean good? Good color reproduction, good viewing angles. It doesn't look muddy and brown and bleh like the Pixel 2 XL did. Like, that's it. Like, the mm-hmm. Pixel 2 XL, there was a, a screen burn-in thing. Is it is that going to be a thing or not? And it was very concerning, and I stand by about our decision to temporarily pull our review score until we knew what the deal was there. Number one. But number two, uh, even setting that aside, the screen just looked bad. Yeah. It looked um, gritty. It looked gritty. Um, but it, you know, I used it. I've used it for the entire year, and you know, nine times out of ten, when I would look at it, I would feel fine and not have a complaint. But when I put it up against another phone, I went, eh. Uh, but they they have this new thing called adaptive brightness on the Pixel Three. It's adaptive brightness and adaptive color management. Oh, I'm sorry, adaptive color management. The adaptive brightness has been around. So the the color profiles, there's like there's natural, which is just sRGB straight, which they you know they say is like meh, fine. And then there's boosted, which is sRGB plus 10%. And then there's adaptive, which on some apps, when I was looking at it in the hands-on air, is like, whoa, this is this is a lot of color. And in other apps, it just looked totally normal. But the overall effect of it was it didn't get garish, but it just like, it just looked better. And like, Paul, the other, the other thing is like the basics of like viewing angles and I don't know, yeah, I mean, what I would, like, brightness yeah. and such. Yeah. Brightness. Paul, my answer to you would be just like pretty flatly, Apple makes the best displays. Even when the iPhone was just LCD, and everyone has always yelled at me about this, those LCDs were calibrated correctly. They showed colors naturally. They had great touch response. They had really high pixel densities. They had great viewing angles uh, compared to Samsung's displays, which look beautiful. But I don't think with like withstand any scrutiny, right? You like you look at a Samsung this way out of the box. It's like the colors are way too bright. The reds in particular can be insanely oversaturated. Reds and oranges in that spectrum can be wildly oversaturated. I, I, they just don't like look good. The Pixel Two display last year, 
like Dieter was saying. The 2XL. The, the 2, 2 is a uh, different is like an story. LCD, yeah. Right? yeah. Uh, the Pixel 2 XL display last year, the little one was a Samsung OLED and the big one was an LG OLED. Uh, and that LG OLED just it looked gritty. Like it didn't have like a, as tight of a pixel pattern. It looked like when you have a photo that's too dark and you raise the brightness in software and it, it gets got all grainy. noisy and grainy. That's what that display mm-hmm. looked like. Um, and then they had the color issue where they, mm-hmm. they insisted that the it was dead accurate out of the box, which did not seem correct. And then they shipped a mode where you could turn off the sRGB calibration but, it, you, but then it would then it would just do whatever the display felt like. Yeah, then so was, then the display was completely uncalibrated. Silly. And that like looked fine. <laughs> but it was still gritty. Yeah. And so this year it's natural, which is calibrated sRGB, which by the way, Google, if you're telling me that both these displays are calibrated sRGB, they should look the same. And they don't. <laughs> like the three looks way better than the pixel in its in its normal mode. Then there's boosted, which is just like I think Samsung. And it's, then, it's not quite Samsung, but it's getting along that line. Yeah, yeah it's it's mm-hmm. like it's pushing it. And then this adaptive thing. What they said to us was, we're reading the content that's being displayed well, and adjusting the... Yeah, it's not quite to the level of... They're not, like, scanning everything that happens on your phone and, like, trying to match, like, oh, this is a puppy. It should be puppy-colored or whatever. Yeah. They, but they are... The way the colors get displayed will be different based on some, like, machine learning stuff. So what the example they gave is, like, we want to we wanna boost colors, but we definitely don't want to, like, make faces look weird. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if there's, like, a person in a field of flowers or something, the flowers might have more color, but the faces shouldn't is the way that it was described. Yeah, I have no idea how they're actually doing this without scanning everything through the display layer. I'm sure that they just have, like... Here, the the colors of skin don't do anything. Yeah, to it's this. like a list. <laughs> um, I mean, it's Google. They're like machine learning did it. Yeah. It's like is the machine did, did you just put a list in? Yeah, <laughs> you just had it's a list, right? It learned a list. I got yeah, it's, yeah, it's very clever. So the display looks a lot better. We gotta just let's just start with this notch. It is quite the notch. It is so much bigger than I thought. It would be. <laughs> I agree. I mean, there's been so much. Uh, hate against this notch for basically since the leak started. I mean, I'm on I'm on the position that like once you pick up the phone and you use it, the notch really doesn't bother me all that much. And what I do gain from that notch is more vertical space because if it didn't have that notch and it was just flat black across the top housing the cameras and the speakers, it would be pushing the notification bar and the status bar down into where I can put content now. Yeah. So like when I'm u- reading something like an article on my phone, which is what I use my phone most of the time for is email and articles, mm-hmm. I get more stuff that I yeah. can see before I hit Ca- the board. Counterpoint. I <laughs> look at it. <laughs> I set down my Pixel 2 XL next to the uh, Pixel 3 XL at the event, and I opened up the same web page on both of them, and I tried very hard to convince myself that I was getting, like, even a single extra line of text on a web page. No, I was not. Well, that's a crying shame. <laughs> so the main, so the, Maybe, like, half a line. So the notch exists because they added a second front-facing camera. Well, well no, no, no. The notch exists because they want to push the screen to the edges. They could have added a second front facing, uh, excuse me, a second front facing camera and just made it a black bar at the top, just sure, like a small what they, one. But what they want to do is get the screen all the way up to the edges because Google's line is people who buy big screen phones want as much screen as possible. Right, and so and the, people who buy small screen phones are like, great bezels, just get. I don't care. Yeah, I'm a small screen phone buy. Like the whole <laughs> that's qu- the whole question here, and Nick's actually <laughs> writing a uh, Nick Stats writing a good story about this right now. Um, is 
did they justify the notch? So with the iPhone 10, they justified the notch by saying you get all the weird face ID stuff. Plus, we want a bigger screen. With every other Android manufacturer on the planet, they're like, we want a bigger screen. We're going to stick a little camera in there. It'll be fine. And everyone went, okay, fine. With Google, they justified the notch by saying we want a bigger screen. And we want to give you dual front-facing cameras. Okay. I actually think that's a very dubious value. I'm, I am super not convinced by this widescreen selfie, but we'll come back to that later. Oh, I, I w- I'm very convinced. Yeah, I know you would be. But no, for Google, it's, it's, the, it's the speaker. The speakers are supposedly 40% louder, and they're, they're dual front-facing. And like the, they did that with the Pixel 2, and I really think that Google thinks that's a thing that people care deeply about, at least like they're super fans. I don't know. And so they, they really believe in having big, loud, dual front-facing speakers. Here's, here's where that logic falls Until apart they for me. But because yeah. the, the speaker that's up near in the notch is the earpiece speaker. Every single phone has an earpiece speaker. And Samsung is using that for stereo uh, speakers. The iPhone uses it for stereo speakers. What's different about the Pixels is the bottom speaker is on the front of the device, yeah. not the bottom edge of the device. Right. Because there's a chin to go with the notch here. Right. But like that doesn't have anything to do with the notch. Like, yeah. that's the difference, and that isn't related to the notch. So, like, you can get a Samsung Note 9 has a very loud, powerful stereo speaker system, and the, the speaker at the top is one of those speakers. If they had just aligned these things just at the top and made the bezel smaller at the top... So it didn't look would, like, a, like a silly face? Would all this go away? No, because it's huge. So this is what I was saying. The reason <laughs> the notch is there, what I really mean, like... We all live, we've lived with the iPhone 10 notch for a year. The 10S is here. The 10R is coming out. Like, okay, here's a notch. Like, it's ugly, but you use an iPhone for a day and you just stop seeing it. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. it only in certain moments do you perceive that there's a notch because it's relatively sedate. Right. And it also <laughs> houses like face ID. Like, they, it's, it's this thing in like beyond just a camera and a speaker, it also houses this whole authentication stack that happens. Yeah. Google's notch is just huge. It's just gigantic. Well, it's not it's just twice that it's big. Yeah. It's that it's so tall, and it's that like the curves around the iPhone 10. They, they, you know, you can. You, I'm sure that there's a million blog posts about this from fancy designers who looked at all of the special, like, you yeah. know, math equations that create these beautiful curves that are better than just a straight, you know, round edge. Yeah, or the whatever. curve on the iPhone 10 notch never actually goes to vertical. Yeah, on any tangent line. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can. They're great. You yeah. should read them all. Uh, but, if, you, if you ever want to be the sort of person who like. Sits around at dusk and like drinks a whiskey and reads about tangent curves. Maybe I'm not the only one. These I highly recommend these blog posts. But like the notch on the 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 Pixel Three XL looks like you're looking at your phone and then Gonzo came and he wants to talk to you real bad and so yeah. he rested his nose on your phone. It's a lot. Or, or it looks like <laughs> the screen is doing devil horns. It's a, and then what I would say is on top of that, so Apple instructs developers, Apple itself says don't deal with the notch. Like it's just there. Don't call attention to it. Don't try to hide it. Yeah. Although Apple, every one of its photos is a black background. Or and black the, wallpaper. The, the, they the hide email it. app hides it and every, a bunch of Apple apps hide it. Yeah. So whatever. <laughs> but their their official instruction is like don't just like leave it alone. Like just leave our notch alone. <laughs> uh Google, I would say, is pursuing a similar strategy, but it's so huge that that is a mistake. Right. So Android should have there's no software affordance for this notch. And the one that drives me the craziest just using it. There's a, they are going to turn there's a developer option to like get rid of the notch and they Google has tweeted that they are going to bring some sort of option for people to like get rid of the notch. I don't know if that's gonna push the whole status bar down 
or it will do something else. But well, so here are the three coming. modes I saw yesterday. Okay. One, and I think this is the one that is the worst. The the two ears, little bunny ears on either the, side, the devil horns are white, right. and the notch like curves down, and the, so there's photos, like a yeah. horizontal line across the bottom of the notch. Yeah. You've got the two white bunny ears, and then as you scroll, there's no border between the bottom of the notch and the content you're scrolling. So there's it's just like a line. So it just like crashes into the top of the screen. Like yeah, I tried, I tried to describe this in the post and I couldn't I tweeted a photo of it. You can yeah. see it. It just it looks like a mess. Then uh, Google Maps uh, you can look at my tweet. I tweeted all these from the event. Google Maps turns the bunny ears transparent. Some more content scrolls up under that and the notches over that. But then all the status icons and time and everything run into the Google Maps content. Mm-hmm. So that looks a mess. And then the third one is just everything like just everything scrolls, right? And yeah. like that looks insane too. Oh yeah, yeah. If you have words like if you have, if you're reading an article or something and your words are going up into the bunny ears yeah. and they're like getting cut off in the middle of the sentence by the speaker notch whatever. It yeah, looks, that's that's it, terrible. It, it just looks openly insane. Yes. So like but, should they add but, a border? Should they like do a thing like they, they, should anyone on the Android yeah, team have maybe looked at something. this phone? Huh? So uh, here's the thing. The the one little like image gets crushed or like I don't even yeah. know like the the curve is weird or whatever that's like the one time I notice it but just as with the iPhone 10 you stop seeing it and I will point out that it looks way more egregious in photos than it does in person Dis- hard disagree mm. it's just okay. gigantic I mean it is big all right well may- look we're, we're we'll get them okay so get oh, the I haven't s- tried to buy one on the Vergecast get the small one I don't know. The small one has no notch. Small one has no notch. Small one's too small. The small one. So what's weird is like the big one, other than the notch, it's like these things, Dan, you were saying, they feel like super premium, right? They, they, they definitely feel like a they step up. They feel nicer. The glass really helped there. Build the, quality is better. Yeah, build quality is better. The Haptics small one does feel like it's a step up, but it's still, I'm just going to say it, it does not feel up to the like hardware build quality standards of a Galaxy S9. No. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, like, if Samsung's S9 is, like, 100%, this is getting to, like, 90 to 95% of the way there. 80 to 85. Oh, oh you know man, that's, fun? that's when harsh. You, when you buy one, you can only pick Verizon or Unlocked or Project Fi. You can't pick any of the other carriers in America that exist. That's true. <laughs> you, you could, you could. Your one crushing mistake, Google. You know what I love? I love that it's a Verizon exclusive uh, because <laughs> you can. It's also on Project Fi, so it's not technically a Verizon exclusive. <laughs> but for, uh, Project Fi is such a non-entity that they just like <laughs> it's Verizon not a real thing. It's also on Project Should I get Fi. Black, white, whatever. Black or white? Well, so the black apparently scratches. Yeah, so durability. These are now glass backs yeah. uh, because that enables wireless charging and the Pixel Stand, which is a cool thing. But because last year's phones were metal and had a certain finish on them, Google tried to mimic that by etching part of the back glass on these new ones. And it basically gives it a matte finish, which feels like interesting and nice. It looks really cool when it's brand new. But A, it's super slippery. So these are like... We don't know that yet. Pretty slippery. You phones. don't know that. The, the hands-on area, they feel pretty slippery. And then uh, apparently they get scratched up very easily, especially the black ones. Um, well, we, we, we know saw pictures like, from yesterday. Yeah, Ron Am- uh, Amadio yeah. uh, tweeted some stuff that from, from the demo area that had some scratches on it. Yeah, and then they're, they're glass. We know what happens with glass. Like, glass is not a friendly material if you, you're worried about scratching and shattering and stuff like that. Every phone is glass now. Every phone scratches. Should we talk about the camera? Uh, Snapdragon 845 storage. We got to talk about the camera and price. Snapdragon 845, uh, eight, is it four gigs of RAM or three gigs of RAM? Four, four, four gigs, gigs of RAM, RAM in both models. models. Yep. And then you get 64 128 for your storage options. Yeah, that's it. 
Yeah. No SD. Seven ninety nine for the little one. Eight ninety nine for the big one. Yeah. Well, the the little one is a jump. <sighs> 150 bucks more. We than We got to get to the camera. Okay, but now we're talking about the price. I am, <laughs> I am disappointed that it costs more. It yeah. costs more than the iPhone 10R. I'm disappointed that it costs that much more. If it was a 50 dollar price hike, okay, sure, it's a nicer phone. It's improved year over year, whatever. Um, it's 150 dollars more. That's yeah. a lot. It's too much. You were saying this yesterday. If you walk in the store and you see the 10R yeah. and you see this, and you're like, why would I? Why yeah, I just think of like, yeah, like, like, you know, people who are very into this will know why they want a Pixel. But Verizon is going to be selling these. It's going to put promotion behind them. It's going to put marketing behind them. It's going to have a stand and a display in a store. It's going to train its sales reps. But it's also going to be selling the iPhone XR for $50 less, which has a bigger screen, five colors. It's a new iPhone, blah, blah, blah. I, I just I, I find it very hard to believe that any normal consumer walking into a Verizon store and presented with these two options. Oh, I'm proud is of Verizon. Go you go to VerizonWireless.com and the Pixel's on top of the screen. Yeah, that'll Unlike last. Previous a, that'll years, last another day. When they were like, <laughs> Paul, oh, you want a Pixel? Walk into this basement. <laughs> Paul, what do you think of the pricing? It's terrible, but it feels like it's a discount because I'm comparing them in my mind to the 10s. <laughs> Fair. So it's like, yeah. oh, well, they managed to make a good phone with. Possibly the best camera in the world for two hundred dollars less than Apple did. So yeah. I guess they're winning. You know, well, like well, it, I, it, I do think the specs are. I, I'm guessing that processor is. It's, it's, it's I mean, there's certain things we be know that it's not competitive on the tennis, right? It's not going to be as right. nice of a build quality. It's not going to have stainless steel frames. Uh, the screen is not going to be as good. We've already gone over this. Uh, the processor, mm. like you just mentioned, so like we'll see if the camera is as good. It, we haven't been super thrilled with the 10s camera so far, so uh, it has a very good chance of being better. Um, but the, there's like, I get why it's not as expensive as a 10s. My thinking right now is I'm going to wait for y'all to review it, and then I'm going to probably buy a Pixel 3 small. Ooh, making the switch. Here's what I'm going to tell you. You're though. switching? Yeah. Wow. Best Buy is selling the wow, S9, wow, wow. 64 gig S9 unlocked for $570, like right now. That's yeah. bonkers. With the same processor, same amount of RAM. Micro but SD does expansion. it do call screening? <laughs> it <Yeah>. does not. <laughs> That's actually the coolest feature. That, that is a very yeah. danger. I'm going to screen everybody. Eli, you call me, you're going to get screened. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'll take it because it's fun to talk so to a robot. I'm sick of these spammers. Um, so we did this at the event yesterday. Yeah, it was super Peter fun. Peter called yeah. me. It and works so I well. talked into it and we... I. Live transcribe. You can see it Watch on it. the screen transcribing the text. It's amazing. Are there any other Pixel exclusive features? Duplex is coming where it can call a restaurant and make a reservation for you. Yep. Yeah. That's not yet, but soon. A bunch of the camera features are Pixel 3 exclusive, but not mm -hmm. all, but most, but some, but not, but blah. And Paul is going to read off the list of amazing camera features that are being added to this new phone that just got announced. And as he does mm -hmm. it, as he... In his best keynote announcer voice, rattles off yeah. these features. I want you to have two questions in your mind. The first question is, is this cool or is this a gimmick? And then you, your second question is going to be, how would I feel? What would my answer be if it was LG with these words and not Google? <laughs> so, Paul, please. Top shot. Super res zoom. Night sight. Playground. Google lens. And group selfie. And that, that, and group, that group selfie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I should add that to my list. There's a world in which this is like, this is some like LG Samsung camera gimmick crap. And we all just laugh it out of the room because we have done that with many, many, many phones over the years. Okay. So let's 
tell the people what they are. Yes. Because <laughs> okay. the names are The names are ridiculous. actually really bad, yeah. Top Shot. Top Shot. Is you take a photo of a bunch of people. When or, they're playing volleyball before they get in their fighter jets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Something. <laughs> you, you take a photo, people are moving, or it's a group photo, and people are like smiling, and it will burst the frames, yes. and then it will pick one for you. Yep. Yes, and so, it's one shutter press. You don't have to hold the button down and yep. do yeah. a burst photo. And you can go back in and pick the better one later. We forgot one. There's also a photo booth. Great. Um, everyone's favorite Mac OS X feature from 2004. Um, <laughs> no, it's cool. The photo booth we'll get, is... I'm just doing it now. <laughs> in selfie mode. Dieter's so excited. We tried it there. You, you point the thing at you and whoever else is in the frame, and then there's a little like bar at the top that like it go like expands, and the closer you get to like everybody smiling, the the bigger the bar gets. And then when it thinks it's a good photo, it takes a picture. And so you just sit there and like stare at the phone, and everyone starts making goofy faces or whatever. And it's like a video game. You're trying to get the bar to get big enough to actually take the photo. Oh, okay. I didn't. I didn't. Play so that. so that that means there's a Google algorithm that they've been training for. I always love visualizing these algorithm training like. Funny. It's it's called What is Funny? And there's yeah. a Google <laughs> robot watching hilarious videos of Pratt Falls and the Three yeah. Stooges. And they're going back in there and they're like, I don't yeah. I don't know, Emily. I think I think the algorithm isn't quite right. And it's like it just watches another episode of yeah. America's funny some videos. No, but so t- <laughs> mentioning Top Shot and Photo Booth together, they're both using that same thing that they learned from clips, which is like, we think we know what a good photo looks like, and if it looks like a bad photo, we'll tell you and we'll offer you a chance to get a good photo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Yeah. Into that. Do these Top Shot photos, all, does that whole roll of them stay on the phone on your 64 gigabytes of Not storage? only does it stay on your phone, it all goes to Google Photos because you have free Google Photo storage. So, it all, so it's forever. It all goes there. Perfect. And then you can you can go back afterwards in Google Photos and pick another one. Yeah, it's not like you right. have to like scroll through all the shots. Like You see one image, you tap it, and then you say you view the other shots that are and available. And what of Google's... like pieces of shade that they like to throw is that when they do these burst shots, they keep all of the shots and they're all full Mm. resolution images that are stitched together. It's not like a little movie where there's a bunch of low res ones and then one main central one. They're all Mm. like co-equal photos. You just have to pick which one you want. They all run HDR plus the whole thing. Then there's Night Sight, which we did not see. We saw some demo pictures of. So this is a new mode of the camera. It's not in the regular camera mode where basically at this point, what all these companies are doing with HDR is just variations on a theme. So the standard pixel HDR technique is they take a bunch of underexposed photos and stitch them together. Apple's riff on this is they take a bunch of underexposed photos and then they add one overexposed photo. Google's version of Night Sight is they just do they stitch together overexposed photos. And that gets them far better low light performance. Yep. It remains to be seen how well that's going to work. We weren't able to demo it, but they, sh- they showed us some photos. It's interesting that it's it's a different approach than, say, like Huawei does with the P20 Pro, which Huawei's attempt to do this like night brightness type of thing is to shoot a very high-resolution photo. Uh, I believe its camera takes 40-megapixel photos, and then it downsamples them down to 10 megapixels and uses data from four pixels to create one pixel and 10 megapixels. So Google's using mm. multiple images technique and a computer to figure it out. Huawei's using more resolution. Interesting. Um, So so we'll see how good it is. We weren't able to see that. It's also not going to be available at launch. I think next month or later this year it's going to be available. Night Sight is coming to the older Pixel phones though, which is cool, right? So this is not something Apple does with its cameras at all, but the Pixel phones have got the Pixel Visual Core, which is their little co-process they made with Intel. Because that's in the Pixel 2, they can take some of these features and bring them back to the other phones. I think that's just super cool. Like, 
Apple's like, an emoji only works in the iPhone XS because we have to run our processor at its fastest speed and <laughs> connect to the Bionic Ultra Core. And it's like, really? Because it's just a, it's just a fade. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. I'm very uh, dubious that I'm going to like night sight, night shot, night night uh, mode, dark, I, I dark, the dark night. Um, they look, they, they're so bright, they look fake to me. Okay, then there's Super Res Zoom. Uh, Super Res Zoom is technically amazing. That is cool. We, we played with that. Uh, when you zoom into a photo, it uses the discrepancy in the images produced by your hand jittering. Because it's doing these burst shots. Like, just yeah, because like the shutter's shot. just yeah. running the mm-hmm. whole time. So as your hand moves, it can detect the discrepancy in pixels, like the wobble between two frames, and then use that discrepancy to fill data back in. Yes. To fill detail. This is this is Google's reasoning for why it didn't put a telephoto lens on the camera. Was that we can do it better with super res zoom. Yeah. They are wrong about that. Just to <laughs> be completely flat. Like they are not correct that making up pixels is better than just capturing them with a real lens. I mean, I, I, I'm very yeah, excited to but, see these comparisons. But yeah. that said, you know, we've seen a lot of phones with these telephoto cameras. They always have an inferior sensor and an inferior lens because yes. you can't get a telephoto lens and sensor down in size to fit into the phone. So you've got a worse lens, worse sensor. So the images from a telephoto camera out of an iPhone or out of an LG or a Samsung or whatever are always worse than the main camera. And, this and, is, then and it's not like they're in super light, zoomed in either. Right. They're only a 2x zoom, but Google says it's doing this at a 2x zoom. But And then when you're indoors, the iPhone and every other one doesn't even use the telephoto. It just crops it digitally anyways. So yeah. like... I can see Google's reasoning here. Super res zoom caps at 2x? It starts doing the effect at 2x. Oh, but it goes further, right? You can zoom in further, but I mean, this has been a frustration of mine forever. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a sports photographer here, but there's sometimes when I see a really cool thing that is fairly far away and I want to zoom in on it. So, and I, I, I don't need to have a magazine ready photo. I just need something that is like intelligible. So so what Super Res Zoom does and at least how I understand it is that at 2x you should not notice perceive a quality difference from 1x. Once you go okay. beyond 2x, then you get into like your digital zooming and you are going to start to notice that it's a digitally right. zoomed photo and you're going to have a loss of resolution, etc. The algorithm takes the wheel. It takes the wheel but like it can only do so much, right? So yeah. like if you're trying to get a 7x zoom out of this, it's not going to produce a great looking 7x zoom photo. It'll be better than 7x zoom on a phone that doesn't have this feature, but right. it's still going to be inferior to uh, a wide angle photo. All right, so I, I have two things. Um, one, I want to go back to my my question. Is this like cool or is this just a bunch of gimmicks they threw on top of the, the same cameras last year? It is. I mean, we need to review it to actually see photo quality, et cetera, I et think cetera, Top Shot is a smart thing. As a software update, it sure does not bolster their argument to raise this the price by $150. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's so hard. We haven't done the thing that we need to do, yeah. which is like take a thousand photos, get James Barham and his big pro display and look at like it's so hard to tell but just playing with the camera yesterday it is super consistent yeah and my huge complaint about the iphone 10s camera is that it is wildly inconsistent it's it's also there's um the 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 reasoning for these features to exist is also sound top shot fixes the problem of someone blinked in the photo and you missed it or, you know, the, the, they looked goofy or whatever and it gives you an alternate one because it captured a whole bunch. But we've seen that feature before. I just, sure. Google's implementation is probably hopefully better. That's what we, that's that's what we have to the hope. Out, right? yeah. 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 
we have not talked about the wide angle selfie camera, which is so that's my second a true thing. delight. My, my second <laughs> thing delight. is the Google, whole time I was like, yes, Google's, somebody thought no, no, this through. Let me, I am pissed about this camera because it, it's the reason we have the notch. Number one. No, it's because let me finish the whole thing about speakers, seeing more content. Yeah, but like, they, if they if they hadn't put a second camera, they would have figured it out without the notch. They, they just spent an entire keynote talking about how they can do all kinds of insane things with software and machine learning to a single lens on the front. But mm-hmm. on the selfie front, on the selfie side, they can't figure mm-hmm. out how to just put one wide angle lens in there and then just make it look normal with software. Like so, they need to they need to in the front to just for a wide angle. They can't figure that shit out with software. Hmm. If you ask Google, they'll say they need good quality to hardware to start with before they can even get anywhere with their software tricks, right? The problem is the front-facing camera has to be physically smaller and the lens has to be physically smaller. So it is a inferior quality camera to begin with. And so like when you say like what you said like just have a wide angle and then like have a mode where it just crops in or whatever, you know, I could see an argument that, like, well, that's not going to give you as great of a quality image because we are starting with an inferior sensor and lens, and now oh, you're cropping okay. in on this inferior sensor and so lens. So if the back camera is a 1.0, 1.3 quality, you can multiply the quality of it by, you know, adding software. But if mm-hmm. you start with something that's like a 0.5, there's right. only so much multiplication you can do, the law of fractions. Exactly. Exactly. That's not how math works, just to be clear. <laughs> what just <laughs> happened in your brain? What? What? Never mind. What? What? Never mind. That's great. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, like, that would be, like, the, the a reason. The other thing is that, you know, <laughs> it doesn't have dual pixels um, autofocus because it is an inferior sensor. Uh, so, in order to do good portrait effects, you kind of need two lenses because mm-hmm. it can't do that trick that the back camera does. Yeah. So. But it, in the service of they identified a problem that real people have with their phones and solved it. It is far – if you're going to add another camera to your phone, I would say adding the wide angle to the front yeah. is more useful and will be used more often the than telephone. the telephone I mean, on the back. That's interesting. There's, there's been phones with wide angle front cameras for years. Yeah, HTC is, used to talk about HTC this is all the time. time. I mean, this like, is they hired LG everybody move. from HTC. They spent a billion dollars <laughs> on HTC. They have every HTC trick. They do even do the thing where you flip the phone over and it goes into like yeah. shush mode. Yeah. yeah, and you can squeeze the sides again. Yeah, HTC's been doing that since like 2006. Like they're like a new feature and like someone with a Windows phone is like I don't remember us. It's all just <laughs> all we're doing is adding Windows phone back to our phones. Slowly but surely. Yeah, what if next year they're on stage and then someone rips off a mask and I've been HTC this whole time. <laughs> Joe's up on stage. <laughs> 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 Hello. Uh, I mean, it's going to happen. They, they, we did hear yesterday that this round of hardware is not yet the fruit of the HTC like acquisition, right? So they're this, still this using is still the Google plan partners and ODMs. They won't really talk about them as usual. Yes, and um, then next year we'll get the 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 full the, the full the, the next ripe. year they're just going to ship an HTC bacon. It'll, it'll be the pixel ripe or whatever it was. The full fruit HTC there. pure. To answer Dita's question about gimmicks or not, I feel like the 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 the, the metric is. Will you actually use these? Will these create results that you will want to share with people? Will you end up rewinding through photos to pick a top shop? Will you super res zoom on things and and that gives you the the, the special shot that you're hoping to get so you can share with friends on some insecure messaging app? You know, <laughs> if these are actually useful, I feel like that's what makes because you can have a gimmick and it can sound like a gimmick and it can look like a gimmick, but yeah. if it's you if you use it, it's no longer a gimmick. 
I think the top shot thing people will use, right? Like you'll never see it. It won't be it's not like an Instagram filter. Like you you as the friend will never see that your friend is showing you a top shot photo. Right. Like yeah. you're just gonna take a photo and it's gonna show you some stuff. That's cool. Maybe you'll see a bunch of night sight photos on that ship. So like we just have to see how it works. I sincerely doubt we're gonna see a bunch of like extremely digitally zoomed photos popping up on I don't our know. Feeds. I mean like I, I, not as like you know something that a picture that someone's proud of, but like you will see them when it's like you're creep shotting somebody doing something weird on the street and you don't want to get too close to them or whatever. That's wow, where you Dan. see those, right? Wow, <laughs> it's true. We okay. all learned something about Dan today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I think the the way the camera app works, Paul, is there's it says camera, video, panorama, and then like mo- video. I said video. It says camera, video, panorama, and then more. And portraits in there somewhere, portra- too. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. Portraits in there. Those are the ones people are going to use. Sliding over to more to pick one of these other lens, like, let me just ask you a question. Just, when is the last time y'all saw a photosphere? <laughs> is it ever? Like, that? it's in that list. It's in the, like, yeah. photosphere mm. list. Yeah, that's where you find night shot <laughs> or night shift or whatever. What is it night called? Sight. Night bright? Night- <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Here's, these names are terrible. <laughs> Can I just say... It, the fact that it, the the night mode is based on the the subtle you know jitters of your hand, why on earth did they not just call it night moves? Well, that's good. They should have called it night moves. All right, we're and gonna then, listen to an would, ad. Would there, would and Dieter's gonna rebrand <laughs> every Google the product. The camera engineer be like, hey, what are you working on right now? Oh, you know, I'm working on the night moves. Wow. Okay, we're gonna listen to an ad. Dan is dying. Liz yeah. is gonna Liz is gonna do this week in Elon. When we come back, we're gonna talk about the charging stand, the home hub. And some other stuff. Listen to this. A decade ago, during experiments on board the space shuttle Columbia, Merck scientist Paul Reichert discovered conditions that crystallize a specific protein. By studying these crystals, Paul and his team determined all new ways to improve the storage of structurally fragile medicines, devising life-saving drug delivery methods. Paul is just one of many Merck scientists dedicated to inventing for life. See why we invent at Merck.com slash inventing for life. Ladies and gentlemen, my fellow dirtbags and everybody else, hello and welcome to This Week in Elon. I'm Elizabeth Lopato, deputy editor at The Verge. It's been a kind of quiet week in Elon, thankfully, but there has been uh, some exaggeration going on, and I guess we should discuss it. So Elon Musk does like to exaggerate, right? Like his timelines are often wrong. They're too ambitious. And like the things that he says he's going to do, like he, he does some of them, but not all of those things. And I bring this up because on Sunday, Tesla published a blog post that said the National Traffic Safety Administration tests show the Model 3, quote, has the lowest probability of injury of all the cars the safety agency has ever tested. Okay, except the thing is that the NHTSA says that's not true. NHTSA does not distinguish safety performance beyond the star rating, with five stars being the highest safety rating a vehicle can achieve. Thus, there is no NHTSA safest ranking within the five star category, the agency told Reuters. I bring this up because exaggeration seems to be a a common theme when it comes to Tesla and Elon Musk. If you think about it, like, and you kind of squint, like, you can understand a lot of the stuff that goes on as being a product of exaggeration, of not just wanting to be good, but wanting to be superlative, right? Like, you know, in 2015, Elon Musk claimed Tesla's cars will drive themselves in two years, and obviously that hasn't panned out, right? Like, in September, Musk emailed Tesla employees to ask them to test the full first 
full version of autopilot. But no autopilot advances for, for self-driving were in the most recent version of the software, which was released Friday. Navigate, the first of these features that's supposed to be released to drivers, is still quote-unquote coming soon. And if you, you know, look at Elon Musk's Twitter account, you can certainly see plenty of um, hyperbole, let's say, especially around the discussion of short sellers or people who maybe don't say, take the same rosy view of Tesla as Musk himself does. Which, you know, sure. But this is part of the reason why there seems to be such a divergence in the way that people view Tesla, right? The exaggeration. So you have this enormous rhetorical divide between people who are certain that Tesla is going to succeed and save the planet and people who are certain that Tesla is going to fail. And that divide only seems to be widening, frankly, even though people are generally working with the same sets of facts. So why is this? Well, you know, if you exaggerate and you're a Musk fan, like Elon's exaggerations aren't really that big of a deal, right? Like... If, you know, you really, really believe in the guy, you're like, yeah, he exaggerates sometimes, so what? But if you don't believe in the guy, especially if you're short, the exaggeration might be evidence of dishonesty. And then, you know, if you follow this line of thought, you're like, well, if Elon Musk is dishonest about the NHTSA rating, if Tesla is claiming something that doesn't exist, like, what else? (laughs) What else isn't right? So that's kind of the nut of the problem. And like, you know... The reason I bring it up is that as part of the SEC settlement around the go private debacle, Elon Musk is leaving the chairmanship of Tesla. And that's important because one of the main things that the board of directors does is it thinks about succession planning and it's like basically the CEO's like committee of bosses, which is no longer chaired by Elon, although he certainly sits on the committee of his bosses. And there's been some indication that James Murdoch is the person who might be moving into the role, both from the New York Times and the uh, Financial Times, which puts Musk in kind of a tricky position, because if James Murdoch does step into the role, he is the person who could potentially rein Musk in. (laughs) And that might be good for Tesla, actually, stopping the exaggeration and, like, letting the rhetoric cool down a little. But... (laughs) Um, If the Financial Times' reporting is right, Elon Musk actually wants Antonio Gracias to sit on the board, which doesn't surprise me because Gracias has invested in a bunch of Musk's other projects and is more likely to be Musk-friendly, I think, than James Murdoch, who, well, (laughs) is James Murdoch. Anyway, it's a thing to keep an eye on as this all develops because there's a short window of time for, you know, Tesla to figure this stuff out per the SEC settlement, although the settlement window can be extended at a request. Anyway, stay tuned because it kind of feels like the calm before the corporate storm. That's This Week in Elon. If you want to uh, hear more, you can certainly subscribe to my newsletter at TheVerge.com. I'm Elizabeth Lopato. Thank you so much. Thank you to Elizabeth. By the way, Elon Musk is killing Liz. I don't, I don't know. I, I talk to, We talk to her every day. And I'm like, how are you? And she's like, Elon. And like that's all she says. <laughs> she doesn't have other words. She just says Elon over and over again. Pixel charging stand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they made a charging stand that's vertical. You so put your phone. Wireless charger. Yep. You put your mm-hmm. phone on it. Yep. It clicks over. It basically becomes like a fancy alarm clock from what I can tell. Yeah. And slash it, photo frame. Slash. Slash photo yeah. frame. It basically becomes a little Google Home Hub. Basically. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have a, it won't. That's what they want you to think. <laughs> I have very serious <laughs> doubts that the functionality of the pixel stand mode thing will be anywhere near as good as the functionality on a home hub. I mean, it's, for it's, they're what different possible cases. reason? What possible reason is it not as functional? Well, uh, 
for mm. one, you have to have your phone on it, right? So like the, the, the instances where your phone is sitting on a stand are like basically two, right? You're sitting at your desk and you put it on the stand. You're going to bed on your nightstand. You put it on your stand and charge, right? The desk one, you're, you could be looking at it. The nighttime, you're probably not looking at it anyways, right? And then the, the UI for Home Hub is, is quite different than the UI that we saw presented when we would put the phone on a charging stand or what Google showed. So I, I you know, I, I see where Dieter's going. Anyway, so you put your, your phone on the stand. <laughs> yeah. The reason it uh, has to be Google stand and not any other, it's a Qi compatible stand, but they are authenticating your phone to the stand. It's very interesting. Yeah. So they can't authenticate to other Qi chargers, which are just basically coils. This one, you put it on, it says, I know the stand. This one is in your bedroom. This is your phone. Authenticates it, switches it in this mode where it's showing you your data. That's pretty cool. And then you can take it and you can like put it in another room. And it still knows it's you. So that's cool. Is this interesting? It's a wireless charger. I don't know. We'll see like what exactly this you to get me is the most. The you were saying this other stuff is super LG. This to me is the most Samsung. <laughs> right? Why is that? Because Samsung has had wireless charging stands for like five years. Yeah, they've had. <laughs> but this is to me is like the one where it's like you put it on here and like it turns into a refrigerator. Like it's just like I mean, it is. The it most is Samsung. what Palm did with the pre when you put it on the touchstone. Yeah, WebOS <laughs> two point one brought exposition <laughs> mode, which allowed you to display data on your phone when it was sitting on a touchstone. Anyway, so that's the stand. Yes. It's, it's $80. It's a cut-down version of what they are doing with, like, Assistant on the home. And it will charge any wireless charging phone, but apparently it will charge the Pixel faster. Right, because it knows it's you. And it's like, he doesn't care about fire. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm just making that up. Then there's the home hub, yes. which is just way smaller than you think it is. Yeah. It is so tiny. Like all of us, we saw it on stage. We saw it presented. As soon as we saw it in person, every single person's first reaction was, look how small it is. Yep. It's super small. It's a seven-inch landscape touchscreen. It looks like nothing so much as like a little Nexus 7 tablet like clipped onto a base. Yep. That's With a little, little bit of fabric it around like. it. Yep. Yeah. It's like, here, yeah, that's, like you want to... Take it off. Well, so the, the thing about it being small, first of all, it's so cute. And then it's like, oh, wait, I would be willing to put this as a night clock. Right. Uh, but the other thing that I didn't realize watching the keynote uh, was that the the speaker on the Home Hub is actually inferior to the speaker on a standard Google Home. It's yes. true. There's only one speaker in it. The Google Home, if you remember, you can pop the base off. You can see at least two drivers. If three, yeah. I can't remember. But there's more than one driver on the Home so Google does say that the home will have better audio quality. I got this wrong in the video, by the way. This is my apology to the watchers of our YouTube channel who were pouring over my every word. The speaker fires at the back, not the front in the video. I said, mm. there's a speaker down here, and I put it at the front. I'm sure you all mm. care so much. That probably affected so many purchase decisions. Anyway, it is super interesting because it does not run Android. Mm -hmm. It runs Cast. Well, it, it, which is just a weird thing for it to run. The, the Lenovo Smart Display is runs Android things, so you so can no you can, one knows what the difference yeah. is. You can put a you can put a Smart Display on top of anything except apparently Android itself because I don't think that's what's running when you put the Pixel Three on the stand. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. <laughs> Google. Okay, <laughs> seventy nine dollars. You've got a little stand. You put your phone on it horizontally, and then when you know, you know, all the all their commercials for like stuff like Google Home is like, oh, your hands are busy, like loving your family, like you're hugging people, or you're like <laughs> preparing food. You know, you're, you're yeah, always, I get they're it. giving just, you a reason why you couldn't. <laughs> you couldn't possibly touch your phone because your hands. Are occupied. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. 
So, but but why can't that interface be on a phone? And why, especially so it, if the phone screen is like an inch and a half smaller than this home hub. It, it is on the phone, but it's not what happens when you put it on the Pixel Stand. It's on the phone in the form of the Google Home app, which has been redesigned and is going to look more like the interfaces on the Home Hub devices. And, Can and you do voice devices. controls for YouTube? Yeah, it's just Google Assistant. Yeah, well, yeah, Google Assistant is there. So, yeah. so you, you are really looking at yeah. three platforms here, right? And some of the platforms run on top of the other platforms. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's... Platformception. There's Android <laughs> and its little brother Android Things. Yeah. Then uh-huh. there is the Home app and that interface, which runs on Android and Android Things uh-huh. and Cast, uh-huh. which is what the Home Hub runs on. And then there's the Google Assistant, which runs on top of all of that. Which, yeah, runs in the cloud and connects all of them. Yeah. Right. So there's the Assistant, which does the same set of tasks on every device. Then there's this new interface for the Home Hub and the Lenovo Smart Display that looks almost exactly like the Home app on an Android phone. So the Home Hub runs the new Google Assistant UI on top of <laughs> Google Cast. And the only reason I'm, I'm pointing this out is because it is not the same as the Lenovo Smart Display. It's just a different riff on it. But it's, it's same, visually, it, it presents the same. It does, it does all the exact same things. Yeah, except but, for one thing that it doesn't do that the Lenovo Smart Display does, or the JBL or whatever. It doesn't have a camera. Right. That's yeah. the most interesting thing about this, is that it doesn't have a well, camera. Well, that and the, the ambient display stuff. But yeah, but the camera. Right. The lack so they, we saw Rishi Chandra, who is the head of this product, and he told us very directly, like, the design brief here is we wanted a product you could put in every single room without worrying about it. Um, and that meant we we cannot have a camera. We want this in your bedroom. We want this in your bathroom. We want this anywhere in your house. Uh, and he's like, we figured you can make video calls from your phone, right? Like that's what people do with a camera on these things. You can do that with your phone just fine. Great, do that. And he said, nothing's going to stop us from making one with a camera in the future, but this one is supposed to go. The way to think about this thing is they made an alarm clock. Yeah, right. just like the Echo Show? Echo Spot, excuse Echo me, Spot. I got my Echo Spot. Spot has a the Echo Spot is, is an alarm clock, but that has a camera on it, and that's probably the biggest fault of the Echo Spot. So if you're like me, you put tape or googly eye over the camera because you don't want a camera staring at you yeah. while you're sleeping and you're changing in your bedroom. Um, and I think it's super clever that Google realized that, A, that's a, a concern that people have. B, I think that, you know, from my experience testing a lot of these displays is that there's this conception that uh, this notion that um, you would use these for video calls and that they'd be great for people with, you know, who are having kids and they want to talk to their grandparents and they're across the country and they want to make these video calls back and forth and things like that. And I thought that would be a great use case for my family. In practice, they're not that great at them because they are like fixed in one place. You can't move around with them. They're not natural feeling. They're more confusing to use and set up and to initiate a call than just someone using a phone or a tablet to make a video call. So I think Google probably realized that, you know, maybe video calls aren't that great on these things yet. And there's doesn't justify then putting in a camera, which brings all these privacy concerns. Yeah. But there is this new UI where you like slide it down and shows you all your house stuff. It's I all am super, coming through Google Assistant. Yeah, the the new UI for smart home control. I'm very excited about because That's the nice. the UI for smart home control that you've had through the Google Assistant before was like virtually non-existent. Right. Um, and then there's another pain in the interface. There's no like home screen or whatever. Like there's no app model here. It's just a bunch of voice commands and then showing you stuff. Uh, and then the home view pane. 
Uh, but there is a pane where you can click on it and say, what can I do? And it shows you all the things you can do in categories. And you can either say them or, Paul, I think you will like this. You can just tap on them and it will happen. So they finally like, started to bridge that touch voice divide, which I think is really good. They had a really great line that I made sure to write down about um, the home stuff. Many people have connected devices in their home and they don't even know it. Yes. <laughs> that yeah. line is just nuts. That's terrifying. Yeah. They also said uh, this is the first time you can see all of your smart home devices in one place. And it's like, are you? I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like the like whoever the CEO of Crestron yeah, the, is, the is irony, like, yo, what, what and the also fuck? The irony is that you can't because unless you own all of Google and Nest products, you can't, you're not going to see your Ring cameras on here. You're not going to yeah. see Arlo cameras. You're not going to see anything that's like outside of Google's ecosystem right now. The Home Hub to me is a fast, it's, it is the, I think the most closed product Google has ever made. Yeah. Right? Like it doesn't have a browser. It doesn't have a bunch of open APIs. Like you have to, it's the one where you put it in your house and like you have to buy into the Google ecosystem to make it more powerful over time. Yeah. Whereas everything else Google, the the other thing they've made was a, you know, a phone and a, a Chromebook. Like. Very googly, very open. Just like do your thing on it. You can put Linux apps on the Chromebook. Yeah, you can just like do anything <laughs> with the Chromebook. I don't know if the Chromebook runs the new. Oh, it does because it has Android. Mm-hmm. Look, there's just multiple layers of Google <laughs> platforms here that you have to understand. There's Chrome OS, which runs Android, which runs the home interface, which runs Google Assistant. <laughs> look, look, we all know that Fuchsia is going to save us. Sure. That's the, yep. that they're just going to combine everything. So, in I, what I think is like most. Um, appealing about the home hub is I know the smart home controls are going to be cool and stuff like that, but I think people will really like it as a modern updated digital photo frame because it integrates with Google Photos really nicely. It has a new mode that will automatically upload the Im- update the images for like if you say like you know update with fresh pictures of my kids as I take them as you back up your photos to Google Photos they show up on this picture frame and then it has this amazing mode feature thing where it detects the ambient light in the room and just like the iPad, uh, excuse me, the iPad and the iPhone and, and Macs now will adjust the color balance of the image on the screen to make it look as much like a photograph in a frame as possible. And the demos that they showed yesterday were really impressive. Yeah, they had it under a hue light and they, they just kept changing the color of a hue light yeah. and they had it next to a printed photo and within a second or two, it would instantly change the display, and it looked exactly like the. It is. There was very little glare. Like it wasn't. Didn't feel like I was looking at a screen. Does your feel like I was looking? At does a your family use Google Photos? I feel like uh, getting people off of iCloud Photos onto Google Photos ha- is as hard, if not harder, Just or more painful. Force it than the yeah, iMessage Dan and stuff. I have children. It's very easy to get our parents to look at whatever photo service you want. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like the baby is here now. They're like, yes, yeah. whatever we need to. So do. like, no, but, yeah. The, the could, rest of my family, they're all using iCloud Photos, and I just don't get to see pictures of my nieces and nephews. Just I just don't. Yeah. See, because you're on the receiving end. Yeah. We're on the sending end. So, yeah. like, we're in the position of power. We can <laughs> say, if you want to see these photos, you see them on yeah. the Google Photos. I I'm bought my them. parents a dumb Nixplay frame, which is, like, sort of fine. But it's not going to do the auto color adjustments want, and things that like stuff. that. It's not, it, it, you know, auto updating, you're going to have to use their app and blah, blah, But, like, blah. in terms of sharing, there's, like, an app on my phone that I never use, but it installed a sharing extension in iOS. So, like, I go through some photos, like, hit the button, send it to the I, I mean, like... Cool, mm-hmm. but you know what Google Photos does? It knows my daughter's faces and it automatically creates albums of them. And anytime I take a photo of my daughters and it adds them to those albums, I'm it trying will to just, curate a lifestyle it just, here. It man. will just refresh my in-laws' home hub, right? Which is like, yeah, I just want to be awesome. a little bit bigger. 
it would be nice if it was a little bigger, but I get, you know, people don't want a giant thing in their bedroom for sure. But even in a kitchen, like, you know, a lot of kitchens don't have endless counter space. Like I just reviewed the Echo Show and the Echo Show has a nice big 10 inch screen, but it takes up a lot of counter space. You have to dedicate space to this and a wall outlet and all this other stuff. So I will say that um, it does not have any controls for Google Photos on it. You can flip through uh, pictures. You can like tap the buttons to go back and forth, Um, but you cannot to ask it which album to display if you have all that stuff on your phone. Yeah. So like there's there's like a little bit of this is very much a 1.0 product. It will clearly build out over time, which comes back to me saying again, it's built on Cast, which is super interesting because you don't think of Cast as being an OS that's going to support growth of an operating system. We that's Android things and it doesn't run Android things. Uh all right. So should we talk about the 100, 149 bucks available in four colors? Yeah, it's super cheap. It's gonna be it's gonna be super hot this holiday season, I'm sure. Yeah, I think people are gonna buy the hell out of this. Yeah, thing. it's a good time to but, talk about the fate. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. What, what if you think Dan is a big dumbo and that <laughs> only thing that people want to do is put a camera in all of their rooms, connected directly video calls to Facebook with, with a giant fifteen inch screen? Right. <laughs> what about that? You know what's great about this? What's that? Uh, my wife works for Oculus, which is a division of Facebook, and so I don't have to talk about this stupid ass thing at all. The Facebook portal <laughs> is one ninety nine. It's basically a little Echo Show with a camera that can yeah. make video calls in Facebook Messenger. Dieter, just say nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does run Alexa. That's why I said it's like a little Echo Show. Yep. Mm. It also is styled that that model for one ninety nine is styled like an Echo Show. And then there's the what is the one above it? Uh, the Portal Plus, yes, which is three hundred fifty dollars. Uh, by the way, it you get hundred dollars off you buy two of these at a time. <laughs> uh, that the Portal Plus, I think Vergecast listeners know this. I am a sucker for insane hardware. The Portal Plus is insane. <laughs> it is an insane product that makes no sense, and is the only reason I would ever think about buying a. Facebook it reminds camera. me of the new Surface Hub Two, and like scaled down. So it's a it's a tall vertical column with a camera at the top. And when it's 15. a 15.6 inch LCD that rotates 1080p. from portrait to, to landscape on it, it's, it's 1080p. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when you move around the room, the cameras follow so you around. I think there's some really <laughs> smart <laughs> stuff there. <laughs> Facebook, no one trusts you. Okay, well, we want to release <laughs> a, 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 a video calling speaker display thing for people's houses. Okay, but nobody trusts you. Yeah. So we're going to make sure the camera follows you around the room. Yeah. Okay. It's a lot. <laughs> Just to reference Casey again, he put this in his newsletter, there's never been a tech product release where the instant consensus was no. <laughs> Just n- absolutely not. I get that some people probably video chat using Messenger. Sure. It's a shame because like I'm 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 there on the no. Like I do not want a Facebook connected camera in my home. I've been, you know, not using Facebook services nearly as much as I used to, et cetera. However, you know, some of those problems that I mentioned earlier about using these for video calling are that they have a fixed camera. It's hard to get people in frame, it's hard to see the screen. The technology that they're using to improve the video calling experience, assuming it works as advertised, is actually really impressive and useful if only it wasn't connected to Facebook backend services. Yeah. No. It w- w- and this doesn't work with like WhatsApp. No, <laughs> the, you can't make your IGTV but videos with. You this? know what you can do? You can watch Facebook Watch videos. Oh, oh, finally! <laughs> I mean, this th- <laughs> I've, been, I've been meaning to discover how to watch Facebook Watch. <laughs> Instagram would probably never like to acknowledge this thing exists, and yet they're the ones making vertical videos. 
All right. Well, I think we can all agree that this thing is a disaster and move on. But just note that Google was like, yeah, no camera. We want you to put it everywhere. And Facebook was like, the scariest camera ever made. <laughs> Here's the thing. I think this is a disaster, but I want to be wrong. I want to walk into homes and people just have these crazy screens. I want to, I want to walk calls. out of that home. <laughs> I, I mean, look, I, look, I said, you go look at a picture of it. I said it looks crazy. The little one does look like an actual show. The big one straight up looks like teleconferencing equipment. Yeah. Mm. Like if you're, if your strategy is for people across America and the world to install like a polycom in their house. Like, I don't know <laughs> but, but, what you're thinking. Why didn't they just say it was teleconferencing equipment? I don't know, man. Okay. Because they have, because I don't know. They want to buy polycom, but they they know the, regula- if, the regulatory heat. If you had uh, caught Casey's newsletter this week, another plug for Casey's excellent newsletter, you would learn that Facebook wanted to launch this back in the spring, but it couldn't because of the Cambridge Analytical scandal. So now it launched it in the fall amidst another scandal, which was apparently not as bad of a scandal to delay the launch again, which is just crazy. Jake came back from the briefing, and I was like, what is it with this portal? And he's like, yeah, we asked about the scandal, and they were just like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> 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 I'm going to read an ad. Paul's going to do his thing. We're talking about Pixel Slate. We're going to get out of here. This episode of The Vergecast is brought to you by Hilton. Work travel. Do you stay by the airport or the city center? Do you have a client dinner, or do you order room service? Do you pack your swimsuit? Just ask yourself, what would the boss do? The boss would choose Hilton. From modern meeting spaces to amazing pools, Hilton Hotels and Resorts has everything you need to get down to business and a little pleasure. Check out Hilton Hotels and Resorts. Travel like the boss. All right, Paul. Yeah. My dude. Every week. Every week. Meal Pods 2, Jeff <laughs> Bezos edition. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the June Smart Oven, which has been around for a little while, is partnering with Whole Foods... And so now Whole Food, you you can buy food at Whole Foods and then bring it. And then the Jude Smart Oven is already programmed to cook Whole Foods foods. So there's like, it's an over-the-air software update to an oven yeah. that adds an icon for Whole Foods foods. And you, you push that button and then you get a list of the... the one tap, chef-developed cook programs will allow users to automatically make more than 30 365 everyday value products and other foods sold in Whole Foods market stores. I just like this as sort of, it's sort of a brand synergy thing. You know, they've got June ovens, which are $800, are going to be in Whole Foods stores. Yeah. You control your June oven with Alexa. It's really this sort of end-to-end food experience that really, it really feels like a corporation owns your whole life. Yeah, it's like it's it's dystopian in the in the in the funnest way. Yeah, like this yeah. is like Jeff Bezos is going to get us to Mars, and he's prototyping this. <laughs> yeah. Like on on Mars, everyone has issued a June oven and like a, a biofield. It's just more efficient. Yeah, uh, it's, it's how do you does it does a June have multiple ways to cook, or does it just like Turn on at three fifty for ten minutes. No, the, the the whole idea of the June oven is got it's got a camera in it and it does like AI cooking. So it looks at what it's cooking and it has programs already developed for just basic foods. But somehow these are more chef developed. It's more curated for specifically foods that you buy at Whole Foods. You know what happens when there's a software problem with the the oven? That's coming. It's a June bug. Well, Dieter's conflict is no longer in effect, everyone. He's back on the podcast. Hey, buddy. It's good to see you. All right, Dieter. What? 
<laughs> Let's talk about the Pixel Slate, man. Oh, I forgot to say this about the uh, the Home Hub. It runs YouTube, which the Echo Show cannot. Yeah. It can be a cast point, so you can cast from your phone to it. Except? Netflix is not participating in this. They've locked out <laughs> cast to the Home Hub. For now, we're told they're working on it. I don't know what exactly they're working on. Presumably, they're busy putting the money in the envelope <laughs> to give it to Netflix. <laughs> uh, it, you can cast Hulu to it. There are Spotify, Pandora, all that HBO. support. Uh, it has YouTube TV, which is the thing everybody asks about. Can you cast Amazon to it? You cannot cast Amazon. I don't think you can cast am- any Amazon video services to yeah. anything. So it, it's, a, it's a cast point for many things, but you can't – I don't think you can say just like turn on YouTube TV. Like I think you, there's no interface for that stuff. Right? There's not like a YouTube TV app on it where you can like scroll through a channel guide and pick a show. You can cast oh, it. Yeah. Okay. We're going to be reviewing it. Yeah, we're, we're, gonna answer we're, we're final gonna, answers on all these questions. Uh, we got multiple <laughs> conflicting answers about all this stuff yesterday because it it's so wonky. Like I was like, "Can you cast to it from a TV?" And they're like, "Yeah, of course you can." And he's like, ca- "Cast YouTube to my bedroom TV." And like another TV across the house, like the little fake house, started playing. I was like, "That's not what I asked." <laughs> he's like, "But it's casting. Don't you see? It's casting." <laughs> all right, Dito, the pixel slate. You were this is all you. You were deep in it. So it is a 12.3, 12-inch Chrome OS tablet that feels nicer and smaller than the 12-inch, 12.9-inch iPad Pro in some ways. It's just like lighter, you know? And it's a tablet. And it's basically the equivalent of a Pixelbook, but they d- doesn't doesn't come with a keyboard. You have to spend an extra $200 to get the keyboard. So there's lots. I don't know. I don't even know where to start. Uh, the hardware is very nice. The bezels are relatively small. The screen is LTPS, which stands for... Low temperature polycrystalline silicone. Polycrystalline. Very polycrystalline good. silicone. There, there it is. It's an LCD. Yep. Yeah, it's an LCD, but apparently the electronics can move 100 times faster. <laughs> uh, so it is, takes up lower power. It's 2K by 3K. I really like that aspect ratio. Don't electrons move at the speed of light? <sighs> so <Okay>. in, a, <laughs> Just in a TFT display, <laughs> it has an amorphous substrate. And so in order for the electron to go like, hey, light this pixel up, it needs to align the substrate to get through. And the substrate has to be like, ah, blah, blah, and then it goes, oh, wait, come on through, and then the electron gets through. But apparently with a low-temperature polycrystalline silicone, yeah. it doesn't – it's not amorphous. It's firmer and solider, and so the electron can just – shoot on through and so it can go through 100 times faster which means it's lower power for higher brightness and higher pixel density i guarantee you that that technical explanation i just gave you is dead wrong yeah but we are going to have an explanation that isn't on the verge.com in the near future i'm just shaking my laptop lid here waiting for the lcd blob to to do something (laughs) it's not doing anything all right whatever um so uh no headphone jack no headphone jack it's Uh, weird on a laptop it's weird on a laptop. There weird are two tablet, USB-C yeah, yeah. ports, which is nice, and they are shipping it with the dongle. Uh, for those of you who own Pixelbooks, uh, when I heard that there was no uh, headphone jack, the very first thing I said was, did you fix Bluetooth since the Pixelbook? Because Bluetooth on the Pixelbook is a disaster. And like, yes, yes, we, yes, we, we, we did. We, we're sorry. But also they emphasize the speakers. The speakers are great. Is, uh, this is part of my new narrative. These companies have figured out that no, people don't actually have Bluetooth. You know what I've been doing now that I, I'm, I'm living in the suburbs, so yeah. I'm in a house, yeah. uh, often alone. Uh-huh. I just, I don't even use headphones anymore. Same. I just listen to my phone without headphones. Wow. This is the future. This is, <laughs> they, all these companies see it and they're just putting better speakers in their devices yeah. because they can't be bothered with headphone jacks and Bluetooth is still garbage. Yeah. So Android tablets are dead. 
Uh, sorry, Samsung and Huawei. Uh, good luck with Dex. I'm sure that's going to be just fine for you. Uh, but Google's mm-hmm. all in on Chrome OS, which also happens to run Android apps. Um, there is some confusion about whether or not uh, this thing is ready to be on a tablet. The stuff that I tried at Google's campus felt pretty, pretty good. Not great, but pretty, pretty good. I do think that Chrome OS still needs a little bit of UI work, but there's also just been underpinning work. But I wonder if the reason that uh, at the event, at the Google demo event, where things felt and looked just a little bit jankier in terms of moving Windows around, if was it they were on a different Chrome OS build? Because you know there's three of them all the time, or maybe more. This is actually the biggest problem I have with this thing. We can get into the keyboard in a minute. They say it starts at $599. If you buy the $599 version of this tablet, I, I don't know what you're thinking or who gave you that advice. Don't do it. I do not think that uh, anybody should buy this tablet unless they are the kind of person who would buy a Pixelbook and be willing to spend a thousand dollars. Yeah, because they've got like five or six different you know processor SKUs for this thing. It's a Celeron, Celeron M3, i5, i7. So five. So the two low the two low end models are Celerons with four gigs of RAM. This explains why I thought it was slow yesterday. This is well, it's I don't know what they had on the floor, but yeah. the the two low end models are Celerons. I think they only have four gigs of RAM, which is you know enough for if you're buying a three hundred and fifty dollar Chromebook for school or for just banging around in the house. But on a six hundred dollar device, yeah, unacceptable. Yeah, definitely mm-hmm. the one I saw yesterday. I was like trying to. Just bang around switching Vlad, windows. Vlad went to Lon- the London event uh, that Google had as well, and he said the same thing. Yeah, so very poor performance. I am I'm very excited by this device because I I am I am that weirdo who was willing to spend a thousand dollars on a Pixelbook, and I think that this is more compelling to me than a Pixelbook in several ways. But unless you are that person who like believes and understands and knows how to use Chrome OS and really like is willing to spend the money on a really nice Chrome OS experience, you shouldn't get the six hundred dollar version. I don't think you should get the seven hundred dollar version. I think maybe the M three will be fine, and that's seven. And that's $800, I think. Yeah. But like, woof. And then, like, it doesn't come with a keyboard. So you got to pay more for the keyboard. Now, the keyboard is cool. It's got flaps on both sides. One side, like, covers the back. One side is the keyboard on the front. The one that's on the back, it folds down with them um, and it forms a little tent with a magnet, but the magnet can work at, like, multiple angles. It just sort of slides down smoothly, which is really clever. And it's got, like, stronger magnets, so it, like, clicks into the top and the bottom. Um, and then the keyboard itself, very quiet, very nice. It's got circular keys because reasons. Why not? Yeah. Maybe it's not a little little loose on your lap, but it'll, that would be fine. So yeah, this is, I this would rather have this question. thing than a Pixelbook. But uh, I do not I, – I just – I cannot emphasize enough. If you're looking at the $600 version, go buy a $330 iPad and live your life. Yeah. Okay. Lap, lap ability. You mentioned this in your video, Dieter, but – yeah. I need details. Compared to like the Surface or whatever. It's not as stable as a Surface. So you remember the Surface before you could like fold up the keyboard to attach it to the front of the screen? Mm. You remember that? Like you can you can like tent up the, the, the keyboard to the Surface yeah, to it, attach to the front of the screen and that oh, adds some yeah, stability. Yeah. So this doesn't do that. It, it's just – and it's a little bit the, – the fabric that connects it to the keyboard connector is just a tiny bit it looser. It reminds me of like the first generation Surface and Surface Pro before it's they even, added that. I think it's pop-up. a little bit looser than that even honestly. Uh, but like look, so – if you're trying to balance it on like one leg, you're gonna be whatever. But if you put it on two legs, you'll be fine. Okay, so two yeah. legs is fine. Yeah, I mean, All it's right. not. It's not like it's like like floppy. It's just like there's there's like there's some play between the keyboard and the screen that you can get a little jiggle going. But when you tap the screen, it's re- uh, when it's set down, it's really it doesn't jiggle at all because it has a full tent behind it. So. All right. 
I don't know, are, just yeah. to me, it felt really big yesterday. So it feels really big if you're comparing it to an 11.5 inch or even or the smaller nine inch iPad. It feels very big, but it is uh, smaller in both the X and the Y than a MacBook uh, 13 inch, uh, and it's seven millimeters thin. So it feels big, but it to me it, it's in this weird zone where it's. Once you start using it for a while, it like when you use like a twelve point nine inch iPad, the thing is always big. Yeah. That thing is always look at me, I'm big. You feel how big I am. It is just uh, look at me. This thing, after a few minutes, after you know fifteen minutes or whatever, it stops feeling quite that big. It doesn't feel like yeah. big. Um, it's still gonna be big. So like if you think that you just want a little tablet or you know whatever, don't get this. This is a this is a straight up. I want to. I want this to be my next main computer. I am the yeah. kind of person that is willing to spend a thousand dollars on a Chrome OS device. So it's really interesting to me about that. And this is like, this is the big future of computers. Oh God! Is the Very reason exciting. it's a desktop computer uh-huh. is not the keyboard or the flap or the screen size. I mean, the iPad is all that stuff. Yeah, it's it runs desktop Chrome. Well, and it, ha- it and it has a mouse or a trackpad. And it has a trackpad, but like, yeah. but really fundamentally, it's because it's desktop Chrome. And then everything else is Android, right? Like the the app model for this or thing Linux. is the Play Store, or maybe you'll be able to do dual boot Windows Linux. someday. Who knows? I, I think the Linux thing is there for like, if you work at Google, you're like, I need a little <laughs> bit more than this guy's. Yeah. They're like, okay, you can run. I Linux can't develop on, on this. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay, so we turn Linux on. You can just have Linux. I mean, I was using a Pixelbook for a while with Android apps, and they just they feel a lot different than Chrome OS apps. I, I tried yeah. to, when I was using a Chromebook, I definitely preferred to try to keep most of my apps, quote unquote, as web apps because yeah. Android apps feel different. Yeah, yeah. When you start using it more as a touchscreen, you'll start to feel a little bit different about that, but not entirely. Um, right. you, you When you take this thing off the keyboard, like Chrome OS has changed now, so there's really no way to like force it into windowed mode or it's not easy to like have it just keep the windows moving around. It goes into like uh-huh. the, full screen or split screen tablet, so I, I don't love that, but it's fine. What about multiple desktops? Uh, I'm pretty sure Chrome could do that. Yeah, could be wrong. I don't, I'm not Chrome a multiple desktop not guy. Been able... Oh, then then I guess not. I'm, I'm not a multiple desktop You do everything at one desktop? Yeah. How? <laughs> what do you mean, how? I, I use window management. Sorry, man. Paul's just I use, staring I, I just at use me. one desktop, too. Yeah. Service Pro uses multiple desktops, supports multiple yeah. desktops. Yeah. I just like yeah. to be, th- there's a part of me that's just sad that Chrome OS is becoming a full-fledged operating system. Yeah, that's fair. Right, like to me, the best part about it was it only did one thing. Yeah, it did it really well, and now it's like, okay, get it. Like, here's a bunch of other stuff, but like it, there's a lot of buttons on that taskbar now. Yeah, there's a home button, a back button, a row of app buttons. It's a lot of like, well, they, an assistant button. Yeah, they actually reduced the number of buttons on the taskbar on the shelf uh, in the new version because there used to be a button for notifications and a button for settings, and they collapsed those two into a single thing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I know. It's just it's. It used to just be like a Chrome icon. Yeah. <laughs> and now there's many more. I don't know. I'm excited for this thing. But, I just I mean the reason I'm excited for it, I'm excited for like the thing itself is like a pixel book replacement, honestly. But I look at what's happening with computers and what I think is about to happen to computers, to big screen devices. Chrome is a tiny little market share, but it's big in schools and Google's pushing really hard. Windows is like Microsoft is someday going to forget that it's there. Uh, but right now, they they still remember it's there, so they're developing it. Apple is trying to increase the productivity abilities of the iPad, uh, and they're also trying to like you know make the Mac not die by throwing uh, Marzipan apps on it. Right. Meanwhile, we know for a fact that there are flexible screen displays coming, 
right? And we know that like Samsung and other and may, maybe Microsoft has sort of hinted at this that they might be looking at like foldable devices. So there is more competition. The, the big screen space, the desktop space, the laptop, whatever the, you, the hell you want to call it, the future of computers, there is more competition in that space than in phones. And like phones are just, they, they we were out of the, the land where it was a, like there was a five-way competition and now it's just a duopoly goodbye the end, right? And anybody else that tries to launch a new phone platform get, gets laughed out of the room. But we have, we have a genuine three or four, depending if you want to count Apple twice, way competition for what big screen devices should do and how they should act. And that is just, that's just fun. Yeah. I'm excited. Also, I mean, it's like a uh, lot of stuff going on. Haiku, uh, uh, the uh, open source uh, port of BOS is believe hit about to hit 1.0 or just did hit 1.0. So we do have... Uh-huh. Exciting new desktop operating system, Walter. <laughs> All right. I think that's a good place to end it. <laughs> We've gone a little bit. What? I don't want to even lie. We've gone for an hour and a half, which is the exact amount of time that we go for every week. We should just stop pretending we don't. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it was uh, just a lot of stuff. Reviews will be ongoing. The Pixel is, you can pre-order it now. Yep. It's shipping next week, I want to say. Mm, sure. I don't remember. Shipping soon. soon. I think it's shipping soon. The big question will be, will the, what are they going to keep stock in? Yeah. Or will Verizon hoard all 12 of them to <laughs> dole out one at a time? We didn't talk about that at all, but Google just is in bed with Verizon forever and ever, and it's unclear why. The Home Hub is October 22nd. You can pre-order it now. You can pre-order uh, but it. But it's not shipping till later. Yep. It's not shipping till later, and the Pixel slates later, too. Yes. So we'll ha- we'll, as soon as we get this stuff, we'll, we'll be doing reviews. I'll promise you right now, th- those camera review videos are coming. Because it's a fight. It's it's just a fight. Yeah. And I, I am just less and less impressed with the 10S camera by the day. That's all, that's all I can tell you. I mean, they tried a new thing. Some When it's when it's good, it's very good. The rest of the time, it just, who knows what it's going to do? Is it going to make a huge mistake? Who knows? So we are deep in the camera comparison weeds, uh, and that stuff will be, as soon as we get these phones in hand, we'll be producing many camera comparison videos. More exciting news. Why'd you push that button? Starts next week, October seventeenth. Ashley was on the show last week. Uh, Ashley and Caitlin are back. Why'd you push that button? Trailer's out. You can go listen to it today. Catch up on the two previous seasons. Next week that comes out. That'll be really fun. Interview episodes continue. Piece. I interviewed the CEO of Ring, Jamie Siminoff. He was on Shark Tank this week. He was promoting a Shark Tank appearance. Hmm. I asked him some questions about Shark Tank, but mostly I was like, "How'd you how'd you start a Kickstarter?" called Doorbot and end up <laughs> running a piece of Amazon. And he, he answered the question. So check those out. Let me know how those are going. Uh, you can also check out the interface. We've brought it up a thousand times. Uh, Verge.com slash interface. Thank you to Liz for doing this week in Elon. And that's it for this week. We'll see you next week. Rock and roll. Paul. I message lock in. Oh my God. Hi, this is Aaron Patinkin, CEO of Ovenly. And I'm Natasha Case, CEO of Cool House. And together, and together we're, we're the co-hosts of Start, Start to, to Sale. Sale. We talk to entrepreneurs one-on-one about what it takes to build a business from launch to exit. Our podcast is different from other business podcasts because it delves into the journey of entrepreneurship. This isn't just about a startup story.
we'll be hosting the founders of some of your favorite brands, people like Jen Rubio of Away, uh, Piera Gilardi of Refinery29, Jane Werwand of Dermalogica. What's really unique about our conversation is we'll really talk about the experience in the trenches and the most valuable lessons learned to get them out of there. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to our show today. And thanks to Smartwater for being the founding sponsor of Start to Sale.